This gospel message is brought to you by the redeemed Christian Church of God, Fountain of Love, Aberdeen, UK. Open your heart to receive this life-changing Word of God. Verse 4, and we will share one or two things from the scriptures from there. 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. It says, you are of God little children and have overcome them because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Amen? You are of God, little children and you have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. There are four entities in that particular passage. The first entity we can call you. And this you is not just any other you. The Bible describes this you as a royal priesthood. Because in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, it says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He also called this you the light of the world. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 and 14, he said, you are the light of the world. He also called him the salt of the earth. So this you as an entity is describable. And so if anyone fits into all those descriptions that I'm talking about, is the you we are talking about. Then let's talk about he who is in you. So there is this you that is a distinct entity, and there is another entity called he who is in you. And it was said of he who is in you, it says he came unto his own, and his own did not receive him, but as many as received him into their life. That's the completion of that statement, which is from John chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. John 1, 11 and 12. As many as received him into their lives, he gave power to become sons of God. And part of that sons of God is they are royal, they are special, they are a nation of holy people. Amen. So, just these first two entities we're talking about, we have you, we have he who is in you, but the word in, we cannot overlook it. Usually when the Bible uses the word in in scripture, it's talking more than just the general in. It's talking about control. Because somewhere it says that whatever is in a person, we make the person to speak up. It says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Are you still following me? So, we now have he who is in you essentially controlling you. Hallelujah. And that is very instructive. We move on to the other two very quickly, and then I share one or two things with you. So, but before I go to that, remember, he that is in you controls you. Amen? And because he controls you, there are a few things that that control will manifest. Number one, he gives you a new identity. That's why he says, you are of God. That's a new identity. He empowers you. He takes you, takes over you's agenda and swallows it up. And many other things that we can talk about. Very quickly, the world. The world. So, and he that is in the world. Two other entities. The world, First John chapter 3, verse 3, just to lay a foundation before I share a few things with you. He said, do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. So, Mr. You, the world hates you. Miss You, the world hates you. And it goes on to say that even though you are right there living close to the world, you do not have any part of the world. We may talk about that later. Finally, before I move on, he that is in you, it's another entity. He that is in you. He says, I will no longer talk with you for the ruler of this world. That is the one who is in the world. is coming and he has nothing of me. John chapter 14, verse 30. So, go back to our test. 
We discover, we describe these four entities. There's you, there's he that is in you, there's what, there's he that is in the world. It then says, greater is the one who is in you than he that is what? So, by implication, the one that is in the world is great. The one that is in you is aha. Simple. The one that is in the world is what? Is great. Oh, don't deny he's great. And there are a few ways that he has shown his greatness that you and I, we need to be aware of. How does he show his greatness? Number one, through intimidation. Daniel chapter 3, verses 1 to 7. And I'll tell you a few things there. Daniel chapter 3, just read verses 1 and 2. Put it on the screen for me, please, if you may. Daniel chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Nebuchadnezzar, the king made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and is width 6 cubits. Can we have a more modern version, maybe NLT, which will have changed the cubits into feet for us? That's better. King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet tall and how many feet wide? And set it up on the plain of Jura in the province of Babylon. Then he sent messages, messages to the high officers, officials, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and other provincial officers to come to the dedication of the statute he has set up. Stop there. This was this man who is a representative of the world. And there's someone inside him that is playing a game. And that game is what I call the game of intimidation. And you know where I'm going in a minute. How did he want to intimidate them? He decided to raise up a gold statue that is 90 feet tall. Any guess how tall this our building is? From floor to the ceiling, not to the roof, to the ceiling. Any guess? It's 14 feet. It's 14. I know it for sure. Now, how many 14 do you have in 90? I guess? Five, seven, five times 14. So this building starts five times over. That is the height of the gold, pure gold. Glistering in the desert sun. Nine feet wide from about there to possibly about here. That's the width. So anywhere you are standing, you will see that image. You know what that image is for? It's to intimidate. And he was telling people that they must come and bow to that image. You know what? You don't need to be forced to bow to the image. When you see you, you just say, wow. And as you are saying, wow, your head is going. The world uses a lot of things to intimidate us. They don't build high skyscrapers for nothing. Many times it's to make a statement. To make a statement that you are small, I am big. Have you entered into some offices before? I've shared with some of you a few years back. The first time I went to the office of my director general of the military, of the, of the army corps in the Nigerian army. They purposely make offices that way. I hope you know. The man was tall, maybe about tall, man, very wonderful man, very mild-mannered, you know. So his table was at one end, and there are no other furniture in the room except for one little cupboard on the side, and you will need to walk from that door onto that place and come and see how my knees were knocking together. You know what? Intimidation. They said Hitler used that. That Hitler's office is almost half a full-on gun, or probably longer. And so when you enter, all you wanted to say to him before you get to his front is disappear. Images. When iPhone is going to present anything, they make sure they put the man on a very imposing stage. Nothing there. He's just standing. You enter, you say, ah. Stop being intimidated. Wherever you go, don't be intimidated. They come in in very nice, flashy dresses, and they flash it simply to intimidate you. You know the reason why? He that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. And part of the intimidation is to make sure that they reel out their own resume as if you haven't got any. I've got a long way to go this afternoon. I move to number two point that the enemy uses to show his greatness. 
through firm control. In Daniel chapter 2, verses 13 and 16, you don't need to put it on the wall. If I, let's, let's go to verse 13, just to tell you, through firm control. It's another way to intimidate. Through firm control. And because of the king's decree, men were sent to find and kill Daniel and his friend. The background to that story was that this king called Nebuchadnezzar, who was the world superpower at that time, decided to just show his power and how great he was. And unfortunately, how irrational it could be. He had a dream. He forgot the dream. And he called all his palace courtiers and all those that were working for him. He said, go and find out the dream that I dreamt and give me the interpretation. And they said, yes, please tell us the dream. He said, no, I don't know the dream. No. He said, he said I don't. They thought he was joking. Anyway, when he, they probably had a little bit of to and fro with him eventually, he said, if you don't do that within a certain number of hours, I start killing you. And that's why we got to verse 19, 13. So the decree went out and they began killing the wise men, and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Verse 14, firm control, don't mess in around. Then with counsel and wisdom, Daniel answered Ariel, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He answered and said to Ariok, the king's captain, why is the decree from the king so urgent? Then Ariok made the decision known to Daniel, and verse 16, finally, so Daniel went in and asked the king to give him time that he might tell the king the interpretation. I will mention that to you later on. When they are using firm control and intimidation upon you, there's a time for you to speak up, in, in, even if it involves losing your head. Firm control. How do they use firm control with us? They might write a very stern email unto you that failure to comply with this one will require in the person losing their job. They put you on a special structure to make sure that they make it uncomfortable for you where you are working. Firm control. In the neighborhood, there are people that the devil is using to make sure that, you know, we, we do not look up the way we should look up because he wants to exercise his control over us. But greater is he, he is in you than he who is in the... Number three, very clear, quickly. How does he show his greatness? By clear-cut agenda. What is an agenda? Agenda are things that must be done that will influence the outcome of a person's life eventually. Clear-cut agenda. This man had an agenda, and that agenda was very simple, that everyone should bow to you. Remember, just before this time, this same guy was the one that was you know, trying to say that he was going to bow down unto, you know, eventually, you know, he later on bowed down unto the God of heaven and earth. When, you know, the dream was interpreted, later on he came with another game again. And one agenda he had is that everybody must bow to me. The devil did that with Jesus in Matthew chapter 4. And there's always an agenda. Let me talk a little bit about agenda, folks. We all keep talking about, um, you know, the LGBT good, they have an agenda. We keep talking about... Uh, uh, what other agenda we talk about? Oh, eh? The Islamic agenda. We are. The problem is that everybody must have an agenda. Christians, what is your agenda? Do we have an agenda? We gather here this morning. Is that an agenda? Is that something that we must see achieved? Do you have an agenda for your family? Agenda is what drives people. People are focused. Agenda drives you. Have you attended a meeting without an agenda before? It's all over the place. Maybe that's why we're all over the place sometimes. Maybe. And that's one thing I don't do at meetings. I hope you don't do it as well. After you run through your agenda, and since you love to be agendaless, you then decide to put what? A-O-B. And come and see A-O-B. I don't do A-O-B. The first person that advised me is, is, is Pastor Leke. He said, don't do A-O-B. That is agendaless. The devil has an agenda. You know what? Let's have our own agenda. Let's have an agenda for this city. Let's have an agenda for your family. Hallelujah. Let me move on. We've talked about the great one. Let's talk about the greater one. Hallelujah. Enough of the great one. Let's talk about the greater one. Now, if the greater one lives in you, how do we, and you have overcome because the greater one lives in you, how do we show or manifest or demonstrate that the greater one is in you? Amen? If you have given your heart to Jesus Christ, the greater one is in you. 
Can I hear a good amen to that one? So if the greater one is in you, you should act better than the one who the great one is in him. Agreed? Good. So the first thing I will expect, scripturally speaking, because the greater one is in you, is that you should act like a royal. May I take a step further? Don't just act like a royal. Be a royal. They were telling one of the world leaders, they said it should be presidential. There's a word of difference between being something and acting like something. You can be or you can, or you can be called it, but until you begin to act exactly like that, let's begin to act like royals. You know, when I was thinking about this, I, 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 I just look at the way, thank God we are blessed in the United Kingdom. We don't need to search very far to know how royals behave. And so, brothers and sisters, I'm asking in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, today we shall be acting like royals, spiritually speaking and physically speaking. I take liberty to go through a little bit of the whole of our wonderful uh, um, royal family here, depending on whether you are a royalist or a republican. It does not matter. For, to this, for the purpose of this discussion, everybody should be a royalist. Is that okay? Yes. So that you can flow with me. Amen. Let's start from the nearly younger generation. You know, William is a very shy guy. Do you know? Oh, the guy is very shy. If you look at his picture right from the time the mother died, he was, you know, bending like that, looking. While Harry was looking a little bit more, you know, up there. But despite his shyness, that guy gets on with it. He goes anywhere, walks confidently, does things as if he owns the own place, kind of, probably partly owns it. And then he decided to marry a girl called Kate. That one was asking as if she was even born more royal. Have you seen that she's effortless? You also, you have been married into royalty. Be like Kate. The way she walks, you would think that silver spoon was what they used to, you know. She found it. All over the place, simply because why? She has been invited into it. And who betrayed anybody who wants to say otherwise? You have been invited into the palace and the royal family of the greatest of all kings. Let's act like one. You are not just invited as a courtier, you are invited as a married person to Jesus, the King of Kings. Act like his wife, strut around, walk with confidence and boldness. And you go, keep looking at the generations before them. Their father, the prince of ways, isn't it? He said all sorts of non-politically correct things. They just carry on. You remember? He said that uh, he's going to be defender of the faith. We make some noise after it, everything quieting down. We don't wish what happened to his marriage to happen to anyone. Everything still carry on. Even when things were not very straightforward in the switch between the former and the new, everything carried on. Even their nonagenarian dad was even more. There's a whole book not only written about how he just says anything anywhere. And nothing has happened. You know why? There are people who are paid apologies for them. There are people writing books, what should have been not funny, they make us see it as something sweet. It's an old man. His generation, they say anything. What's your own lesson there? You have angels. You have the Holy Spirit. You have God the Father, God the Son. Making case for you every day. Stand out and be bold and let us do something, my brothers and sisters. Is that making sense to somebody? We can. Our hands are tied too much. If I got it wrong, what will they say? God has your back. He has your back. Will you make mistake? Of course we will. Will you get it wrong? Sometimes you will. Sometimes, more often than not, you will get it wrong. But you can bank on something. Your position is not threatened. Your royalhood is not threatened. It takes more than that your error to threaten who you are. Greater is you, is you than you is in the world. Step into that thing. It might look dangerous. Yes, it may even fail. But be rest assured in your mind. He has your back. Because you are royal. He has your back. Royals, they relax and they are confident in the way they do things. They also use the support system around them. 
Even if they want to drive their own car, there are three drivers waiting. You have angels as your support system. Let's give the father, ask him to give us angels to do things for us. And then we can be confident and move more clearly. So number one, be royal because the greater one sees in you. Number two, seize the initiative. Seize what? I mentioned this issue of agenda. Sometimes it's awful too late when others have set the agenda before you set your own agenda. Sometimes it's awful too late. And many at times we are the one also doing the propaganda business for the enemy. Churches are closing down. Do you know in Scotland, there are more clubs and cinemas and warehouses turned into churches than there are all those buildings being flipped the other way around. Just in Glasgow, Destiny Church, they bought one. Just in Edinburgh, they are Golgi Place, fantastic old cinema. Just in Inverness, Jesus' house of Redeemed Christian Church of God bought a cinema house. But when you people sit down and talk, what do we say? Oh, the church is failing. The church is not failing. Stop doing the enemy's propaganda war for them. Take the initiative. Step out. That's why I don't subscribe onto this. You know, all these things they share on the internet. The mayor of this is Muslim. The mayor of that is Muslim. You are there running to your own bunker. Shut up. I don't want to hear that. Churches that were closing, they are closing no more. Cinemas have been taken over. Take the initiative. And don't tell me there are more Muslims in this nation than there are Christians. There are more Christians, yeah. Irrespective of. Can there be more? There can be more. Is somebody on the same page with me? Propaganda word is very powerful. First Samuel chapter 17. You don't read that. That's between the boy David and Goliath. You remember the story? David ran unto him and he was just, you know, talking. And when, the, when, when Goliath saw him, he said, are you coming? And started cursing him. And David also started talking about what his God can do. And a lot of that battle was done just in the exchange of words between these people. What is the initiative that you have? What is the agenda that you have for your family? What is the agenda you have for your community? Do you see your community being turned to Jesus Christ in a few weeks' time or in a few months, in a few years' time? Start now. It might just be by prayer walking the place. It might just be by constantly showing good art. You have an agenda. One of our sisters many years back, you know, went to the place of worship, had a good agenda, was going to win the, the friend over. And, you know, the, the, the work colleague over, and she was just going through art. Now, she took a step and then started inviting. And the friend said, well, I knew your agenda. Well, you know, not, you didn't have to be ashamed about that. He said, yeah, actually, because I know there's a lot to offer in this thing. But, you know, we are, we are all not prepared at that time. That would have been the answer. Of course, we had an agenda. It went somewhere. Everyone should have taken the initiative and step out. Number three. What you should do because the greater one is in you. Press your advantage. Somebody say press your advantage. You know, many at times we apologize for succeeding. I've made up my mind. I'm not going to apologize anymore. The world around you, they're going to to box you. They're going to tell you how far you should go. They're going to tell you what you should wear. They're going to tell you what you should, you know, how you should do your hair, how you should cut it. No, 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 no. Wherever the Lord has blessed me, I'm going to be very upfront about it. Don't let anyone, don't flaunt it, don't be insensitive, but don't let anyone try and turn your success into failure by you being embarrassed by your success. Don't let anyone make you feel as if you are substandard. You get to work on Monday. Somebody say, where do you go? I said, I went to church. Oh, church. He said, yeah, I went to church. He says, those places that they speak, they call it funny language. He said, yeah, actually, yes, yes, we do. You want me to pray over you in tongues? Praise your advantage. A young child was, you know, a, a younger folks were talking at one time. I would say, you know, somebody did something very good to her. And I just saw how, how far we have all gone. You know? Yeah, I can take liberty to share. And it was Dara. She, she got lost somewhere. You know, she was going somewhere. And got, eventually got to a flat, uh, to a house. After by the point of the Holy Spirit, said somebody told her. So I started telling her, that's how the Holy Spirit lives. said, knock on that door because she's wondered for about one hour. So knocked on that door. And then... Um, 
the lady came out, and then the lady was so nice. All of the children came around. Where are you going? Come inside. All of the rest of them started fussing over her because she didn't know how to go anymore. Anyway, to cut the long story short, when she was there, she then saw inside a plaque on the wall, something like uh, a, a Christian, um, um, what do you call it now? Scripture, scripture, something on the wall, you know, all those decorations or whatever. And so she was very glad. Okay, maybe that's why they helped me. Then the, the catch was this. When she was then thanking them, they said, go this way, go that way, you'll get that. When she was thanking them, she said, thank you very much. She said, I was going to say, God bless you, but I couldn't. Now that tells you how, and how many of you will even boldly say, God bless you. Because we've come to a stage in which we have been boxed in. We've come to a stage in which we can't press our advantages anymore. They've turned our victories to loss. Do you know there is no major university in the world, top ones, that was not started by a clergyman or started by a church? Do you know Oxford and Cambridge, there were churches? That's why you had the Trinity College there. That's why you had St. Magdalene College, St. Margaret College there. All those colleges, they were all Christian school. Do you know Yale was started by a pastor? Do you know Harvard was started? They've taken that away. In those places, you can't even mention Jesus anymore. Praise your advantage. Personal advantage. If you don't, they will push us back. Somebody wore just a cross. That became a major issue. British Airways, you remember? We are not pressing our advantages. And because we are thinking that we don't want to offend people, you will press your advantage beginning from this way. You will press your advantage. You will be bold about what you believe. You will let people know that Jesus saved you. You will let people know that Jesus healed you. You will let people know that Jesus is still very much alive. Amen unto that one. Oh, I'm sure we won't get there the same day. It will take time, but we will get there. We will continue to reinforce this message day after day. When the opportunity presents itself, that it is time for the church to rise up and press our advantage. And press, we shall press our advantage in the name of the Lord Jesus. How many have we said how to show that the greater one is in you? How many? Number four, on the turf, T-U-R-F, it is yours. On the turf, it is yours. That is, walk freely. If I say, for instance, I want to visit Buckingham Palace or any of you, say you want to visit Buckingham Palace. Next Saturday, what is likely to happen is unlikely to materialize unless there's a miracle. If Prince William says he wants to visit this church, this place will be full next Sunday. Did you see the difference? That's why I said they strut around as if they own the place. Strut around as if you own the place and you actually have owned the place with your God. We will all start, you know, where will you say, do this and that? Act as if you own the top. How do you act as if you own the top in practical terms? Everything that is in this world, use it for your advantage. Get on the social media, you own it. Making sense to somebody? Let nothing be sacrosanct. Let nothing be beyond our, our, our hand. Just step into their place and use it. There were times the people were talking, and I'm sure this might still be controversial for some of you. Should we go and preach in a nightclub? If you are led to. Why should it depend? What's the reason? Why, 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 why should it not be? Yeah. Off you go to the nightclub. There's one called Garage, am I right? I see it. You've worked there first. They are all clustered around the same area. I can't remember the last time I even came close to the door of a, of a, of a nightclub. You know, those ones are far long past. So, so. But anyway, for business, we can do it. Why, why can't we ask him to go there? Why should it depend? I just want the reasons. Can the reasons be, if he goes in there, he might do what they do there? Yes, somebody is saying that. Yes, now. Yes. And what's the reason? Why should it depend? Why could you say, every one of us, we're not having service today. All of us, we're turning up next Saturday at, name, name another nightclub for me. Eh? Esplanade. I don't even know. So good. And so let's turn up there. Why should there be any hesitation? Tell me why. Tell me. I want to hear. That it can affect us, is it? 
And why? Why? Why don't we? I just want to know. Please, I will echo what you say, sir. Okay. Okay. All right, okay. 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 Okay, I, I, I grant you that. But knowing that it's not every time you go to a place you open your mouth to start evangelizing immediately. You are doing stuff to evangelism. You want to identify with the people. You want to hang around with them. You want to, yes, uh-huh. I've seen eyes start popping up. You want to really hang around with them. It all comes down to the fact that I can be contaminated. Now, if somebody that is drunk comes to this church, do they get converted immediately? And so why should I go to the pub and get converted? Why should I go to the nightclub and probably get affected? Are you getting what I'm saying now? Forget about the struggling. I'm, I'm, I, I want to trouble your, your mindset. I want, to, I want to trouble it today. I want to trouble it. I want to really, yes. We have not said in short our agenda. That's what the brother said. Yeah. If you have an agenda, if you have an agenda, your agenda will override. With all the agenda, the, 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 the suicide bomber, except the Holy Spirit really moves, that comes and bomb churches. Why don't they get struck somewhere along the way? Except God, when your God is greater to strike them on the way. They still, they still succeed. Nothing happens to them. Initiative and agenda. Folks, if you're going to do this thing, we must walk as if not as if we must walk knowing that the greater one is in us. And I'm prepared to go to any length. Oh, but can I try the red, red, red light district? If you have an agenda. If the agenda is not their agenda. If you are very clear about your agenda. But you've gone making money before. Do you get distracted with a good agenda? Are you there with me? I mean, you've gone on real money-making venture. You know, I'm, I know some of you, the way you are looking, you are really money. <laughs> I'm not looking at any direction now. And nobody's going to stop you on the way. Even if somebody's winking at you, I said, I'm not here for that one today. I'm here for the money. Even when you are not Christian. Am I right or wrong? You've been tempted to do things. Once the agenda is clear, you will set the initiative, you will move in that direction. Is somebody hearing me? This city must be converted. Because there's a greater one that is in you and I. I will sit with them and chat. I've seen a few things. Remember my early days in Abadi, I was driving one Mazda like this. I, the cars I drive, they always have something in my head. Something about that Mazda is that it has been parked for almost two years. When we bought it. And so every time I drive it, the thing will be seasoned like that. It will be, it will be smelling. I never forget it. But you know where I'm going. I'm not just throwing stones around. And this was around the, same t- around the same time we were following some brethren who were giving their life to Christ. They were into alcohol and drink. That's been a major area the Lord has called us onto. So they were living in some part of the town. I think the sitting area or they were living in Bedford. I can't remember where our, these wonderful friends were. And anyway, to cut the long story short, I will go into their house and in winter with my woolly jumper in the rooms that all the windows and doors were closed and they are smoked. Sometimes not only cigarettes, but something other than cigarettes. And then I would soak that in, spend sometimes two hours explaining the scripture, chatting with them, praying for them. Whole family, about four of them. Some other guys will come in and I will be driving back home around 10, 11, 30, 12. I think we were still in Kingswell at that time. And I, I you know, when... You are in something, sometimes you won't smell it anymore. But the smell is so ingrained, it's entered into my head. It's so entered into my head, I will open in the blistering winter cold, I will open the windows. It will never go. Unless I have to be worshiping my jumper every day. But it meant nothing. Why? I had an agenda. And that agenda drove me. I plead with you in the name that's above all name. I mean, if not, no, that's, that's no, there's no case about that. You know, I sometimes life, I say, well, if my wife has married a borderline Christian, she probably will be wondering, huh, this evangelism that you are smelling. 
I mean, the room is so thick with alcohol. He's even smelling on me. You know, the room can be thick with everything, everything that should not. Yet I walk home. Sometimes at the door, I just step out of everything. So I would not say, what pain is this? Have an agenda. Walk the talk. Let's get into those social media and flood it. And let's see what we do. Greater one is in you than he that is. You are not Sunday convincing. Greater one is in you than he that is in. And now, very quickly on a personal level, before we rise up and just pray one prayer point, and hopefully minister of the Lord leads us. Final word. Stay submitted to he who is in you. Do what? He who is in you. Remember, he who is in you is like a metaphor for a particular person. Eh? So we said there's you, there's who, what, who again? He who is in you, and there is the world, and eh? he who is in the world. Let's leave it like that without going through. But stay submitted to him, the he who is in you. Number one, keep it simple. That's how you stay submitted. Always remember that you overcame because of the one who is in you. Don't go on about formula for success. Three dry fast plus one night vigil is equal to one major breakthrough. It is all by grace. It is all by what? Keep it simple. Will you need to fast? Of course, you better. Will you need to pray? You need to do it a lot. But it's got nothing to do with what God will do in our lives. Keep it simple. Hallelujah. Don't let the enemy deceive you at all. And God has humbled many times. He makes sure that when I think I've done all the spiritual exercises, he makes sure that nothing happens. He then makes sure that things only happen when I've done no spiritual exercises. You can say it is added up unto it, but he always makes sure they don't tie together so that I will never get anything to my head. Never get anything to your head. Number two, to stay submitted to he who has called you. Don't engage in battles you are not called to. Don't overstep your band. Don't start commanding angels. He only tells us in Psalm 91 verse 11, he will give angels charge. He will command them. Don't command angels. I hope you understand that one. But do you say, Lord, I'm going out today. Please give you. Even Jesus Christ did not command angels. In Matthew chapter 26 verse 53. Matthew 26 verse 53. He mentioned that if he wanted angels, or do you think when they were trying to fight for Jesus, Jesus said, stop that nonsense. That's a greater one with me. Or so do you think that I cannot now pray to my father and he will do what? He will do what? With more than 12 legions. He didn't say, don't you know I can command angels? No. As a son of man, he can only ask the father. Make sure you stay within the perimeter. And don't start pulling down strongholds and principalities you are not called to. What the Bible asks you to do, and don't start raining fire upon them. We may have to do a lot of teaching on deliverance very soon. In fact, I'm pray- we're going to pray about deliverance today. I think the Lord wants us to do that as well. Hallelujah. What did, God, what did God ask us to do with the devil when it comes against us? Resist. Just tell him, go away. That's what Jesus did. When he tempted him first time, he answered, second time, they thought, what did he say? He said, get thee away. Even when the devil was talking, even through Peter, he said, get away. Don't start calling there all these goofy, goofy, all these strange, be part things. That's why it has made the issue of deliverance, genuine deliverance, very unattractive to many genuinely seeking people, genuine seekers. Don't, don't overstep your band. And devils, they want to hear that. Immediately you start talking things that they know you don't know what you're talking about. And they go and call other demons and say, this one is a rookie. We don't know when it started. By the time you say, Satan, I resist in the name of Jesus. He will back off. I've done that a thousand hours. I've been in the hardest of circumstances. I resist in the name of Jesus. If you do that, it tells us the book of Jude that even when Michael, another archangel, possibly about the same level with Satan before Satan fell, he said when he wanted to deliver Gabriel, he did not start rebuking and cursing Satan. What did he do? He said, the Lord, you know, rebuke you. What he said? It's the same thing. The Lord rebuke you. And not I rebuke you. I said, it's another area I want us to go into. And then, but from today onward, no, the greater one in you is the one that's going to take care of it. It's going to take care of it. 
It's going to take care of all those things that you've been intimidated. Intimidated by sickness, by doctor's report. They meant well. They meant well. But believe you, behind it, there's one who's in the world who makes it more intimidating. No matter as much as I was doing my duty to explain unto people, because it's now the, is the, is the, what do you call it, the, the duty of care. I think that's what they call it. The duty of care, that when you, tell, you know, know something about a patient, you need to tell them fully the implication or whatever. But there are a thousand ways you can say it. I'm seeing a lot of arrogant ways we tell people. You know, because people, they are not Christians, they, may, they might, might well. I was called one time to the neonatal world, and, you know, I met these guys from one of the North African countries. I don't know, they've heard about, by the mercy of the Lord, we prayed for somebody there, one of the children, they didn't die, the child came back alive, and they got to know that, I said, well, uh, so, well, and this one too was a very bad one, they said, she come back, but the guy was reeling out all the, and was the usual, you know, you know the reality is, you know this is this, you know this, this is that. And the special grace of God, the child went out of that hospital, went out of the world after we prayed, you know, I didn't get to see the child anymore, I didn't, I couldn't monitor the progress. The long and short of it is that he was coming from the position of intimidation. I went from the position of there's a greater one who can solve it. So it might be that something they've said to you. The doctors have said there's no hope there. It's part of the game of intimidation. Let the greater one in you turn it around. Let him turn it around. Maybe it's about your future, your finances. The Lord is in the house. He's more than able to turn it around. I'm convinced without any shadow of doubt, you won't die in penury. And let me warn you before we start praying. Please, poverty is not romantic. There's nothing romantic about it. All those people that are romanticized with poverty, they've never been poor. And you see, the real poor people, they, they run a thousand miles away from poverty. I've been to ministers meeting around here in the UK, and people are telling me how you know, by implication, how romantic poverty is. It's nothing romantic. You wake up, you don't know what you're going to eat. You wake up, you, you go outside, you start picking roots to eat. You won't die poor. You won't die poor. And out of this house, the Lord will release many women and men of means. You see, I promise you, we shall not be ashamed of our successes anymore. We shall not be intimidated. I make bold to say, many of you here, as you believe with all your heart, you will not only have enough, you will have more than enough. To the extent that nations will ask that you don't remove your money from there. That you used to say that many of us are saying, can it be? My eyes are opening now. Poverty is not funny. Poverty is not funny. Our team went to Zimbabwe. They came back with mind tearing reports. How poverty can reduce a human being to nothing. And it's relative. We are talking about that one. Even you sitting down here, you can eat. We have relative poverty amongst us. There are things we are trying to do that we normally would not have done if we have the means. There are people that you have subjected yourself to if the means had been there. Now you would not have subjected yourself to if the means had been there. Are you getting what I'm saying? There are people that should not have talked to you the way they talk to you, not because of your arrogance and pride, but you know, on a good day, if you have this in your hand, a good day if you have this in your hand. There are places that you're supposed to have flown onto and go and do work there for the Lord, but you can't live where you are because you are considering too many things. I rebuke the spirit of poverty in this place. And if anyone is sitting down there, I hope not, smug, and say, oh, this money issue. If the Lord gives you, send it to me. Because we can pray prayer that whether you like it or not, God will prosper. Because we're talking about cluster. You remember? Uh-huh. It's going to be another cluster. Cluster of well-to-do people. Over representation that this particular group, there's a clustering there. That was how Israel stands out all the time. That's the covenant of Abraham. You will stand up. People will say, oh, well, for every population, you expect to see maybe, well, 0.5% of them should be millionaires. And then they look at your own cluster. They find, what is that? 20% are millionaires. And the rest of them are suddenly in the affluent category. Oh, they are picky the way they do it. When people come in, they just find out they are becoming millionaires as well. And they are founding the kingdom of God. 
You know where I would have been if I got money? You know what I would have done in this city? You know what I would have done in that Zimbabwe that we went to? If I have money. So that's what I said. If, if God gives you the money, send it to me. Um, today I just will give you my home address. Hallelujah. And by the special grace of God, we shall expand. The greater one in us that is greater than the one in the world will make us to live as overcomers in the name of the Lord Jesus. Oh, struggles shall pass away in the name of Jesus. The world shall not dictate the agenda anymore in the name of Jesus. Rise on your feet with me and stand up like people who truly and indeed greater one is in us than he that is in the world. By grace, by grace, by grace. You will not be tormented anymore. Whoever is tormenting you, might be a colleague, might be a family member, might be a neighbor, might be a friend, no more torment. You know why? The one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. There cannot be two people calling the shots at the same time. Someone must be above. The one is in you is above. That's why this afternoon, as we declare together, there will be a manifestation of that glorious spirit of Christ that is in us in the name of Jesus. You are of God, little children. And you have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the... Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So you're going to declare over your life. Turn that to our prayer. I say, I declare in the name of Jesus. I want all of us to start at the same time. And please, let's get ready. This was the matter. And as we repeat them and turn it to prayer, they will work for us. I declare in the name of Jesus that I have overcome the world. The one who is in me is greater than the one who is in the world. I'm of the royal stock of heaven. And I shall be royal in all my dealings. From now on, I shall take the initiative. I shall set the agenda. I shall be bold. I shall be confident. Nothing shall be impossible for me. Because the one who is in me is greater than the one who is in the world. Before you pray, someone here, you've been seeking a way to obtain some facility to do a business. This week is the time. Go outside there, boldly and confidently, and the Lord says he has opened that door for you. Some of you are going to key into that in the area of your paid occupation. You're going to make that phone call. They've delayed in coming back to you. You're going to get on the phone like a royal. You're going to ask and say, how are you doing? I've been expecting to hear from you. You understand what I'm saying? Not in the intimidator, uh, but I don't know. I don't. You know. Uh, but please, I don't. No, 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 no. Your father is the ruler of this place. Your father is in charge. And you have the royal stock. So we're going to turn that to prayer. I say from now on, I shall take the initiative. I shall set the agenda. I shall be bold. In the name of the Lord Jesus, nothing shall be possible for me. Lift up your voices and call on the name of the Lord. Let it be your own personal confession. Let it be your personal confession. Let the spirit of the Lord rise up on the inside of you. And I will pray a very important prayer for us all. And all this limitation over our lives shall be lifted in the name that's above all names. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Pronounce it over your life. Speak it confidently and boldly. Let every worries and every confusion be removed from your life and my life today. Stand sure. Be bold. That case that is pending, you will win it in the name of the Lord Jesus. You will win that case. You will win that case. Because your solicitor is greater than theirs. He's the visible one who can go behind the scene and touch the heart of the judge. And they will decide it in your favor. Just confidently begin to declare, I'm above and not beneath. I'm not losing that case in the name of Jesus. The Lord will perform it for you. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. As many as have their feet, their hands bound. I ask in the name that's above all names. That all such chains and shackles be broken right now in the name of the Lord Jesus. You've not been able to reach to the high place the Lord has prepared for you. Because your hands are chained. But this moment, let all chains and shackles and handcuffs, let them be incinerated with fire from above in the name of the Lord Jesus. You've been going around in circles. The Lord says, I should tell you, because of he that is in you, your time of endless wandering, endless roaming, has come to an end in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The unfulfilled life that it looks like you are living, the Lord is turning it around right now. That's why this week the Lord will visit you. The Lord will visit you. By the special grace and mercy of the Lord, I banish in this house every form of ungodly and evil poverty. And the absolute or relative poverty shall be far from us in the name of the Lord Jesus. He says somewhere there is a rich, there is a, a, a wise man who delivered the city, but he was poor. He said, after I delivered the city, they did not remember him. With all your wisdom, and there is poverty, they are not even buying it anymore. From now on, the Lord himself will open doors of abundance unto us in the name of Jesus. Your life shall not be characterized by struggles anymore. Step into the plan and purpose of God for your life. And as those chains are broken, they will never come round your feet and your hands anymore in the name of the Lord Jesus. Your ankles are free, your wrists are free, your head is free, your neck is free, your arms are free, free to live the life of a royal in the name of the Lord Jesus. And you, that person, that by, by virtue of marriage, you feel oppressed. That oppression is ended today. I say it is ended today. Amen. You will possess that which the Lord has promised you. And the name of Jesus shall be glorified. Father, we go into this week confident. All heads up now. No more heads down. All shoulders squared now. No shoulders drooping. I've spoken, but you impart my Lord. Are spoken, but you infuse with your power, Holy Spirit. Let everyone live. We are rejoicing in the name that's above all names. Thank you, Father. We know you have done it again, and we are coming back to testify of your goodness. To you shall all honor and glory be given. In Jesus' mighty name, we are praying. Come on, give the Lord praise. Hallelujah. For more information on what you've heard, please visit our website at www.fountainoflove.org.uk. You'll also find other media presentations available to you. Stay blessed in Christ Jesus. Amen.